Welcome to the Unpacking Creative Lives podcast. I am your host, Barney Preet, and to debut our podcast, we are starting with a handpan musician. I know, what is a handpan musician? Well, Baran Yildiz tells us everything about it. Baran was born in Turkey. He fell in love with the handpan in 2016. He's a percussionist and he's also a researcher and lecturer at the University of New South Wales. Among many things, we discuss what it means to live a whole rounded musician's life. His current album, Into Being, is available on Spotify, and he just released a song on his YouTube channel called Children of the Universe. All right, that's all from me. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Bye. Where's the name from? So the name has originally two sources. One is Persian, and that is the meaning of rain, the season of rain. And it also has source to all Turkish language. And in that language, it means the energy source. And apparently I have some friends that are from, that are from Iran in Australia. And they told me Baran is mainly used in their country for a woman's name, female name, apparently. So, but in our country, it's the other way around. And <laughs> one more interesting thing. It is an animal name in, um, in Russia. Oh. So it means ram. And when I was in Russia and when I introduced myself as Baran, people just had a bit of a <laughs> laugh. Yeah. That would have been a good laugh for them. Yeah. So your, your name has traveled. The name has traveled quite a bit. Mm. Yeah, that's right. You know, you mentioned that your name means rain and mm. it kind of made me think about your song Rain and Rainbows. I think they're two mm-hmm. separate tracks, aren't they? Mm-hmm. But in your Phoenix Central Park performance, mm-hmm. I was really curious to hear the tabla as well in there. So that's something that came up. And I'm wondering, mm-hmm. is it the tabla that's in there or is it something else? Yes, yes, that's a tabla. And I am by all means not a professional tabla player. I can just play the basics. And I had a friend here who is an amazing tabla player who plays in my band too and he just taught me a few tricks and i just played a simple version in the rainbow song as a tabla accompaniment to the handpan yeah it was incredible and so did you play rain is in your album into being which is on Mm -hmm. spotify when i think about the tabla in there i wonder there are other elements and other instruments in that track and even in the album and I wonder, did you play all the instruments in the album? So I played all the instruments in the album, most all percussive instruments and um, drums. There is a uh, charango uh, song, which is Full Moon, which is a very good friend of mine. Misha played that song. Um, he's very into South American music. And there is a guitar song um, who my friend Nick played. And sorry, I forgot there are some... Um, flute track there, uh, another Nick this time uh, from Byron Bay, he played. And I think that's the yes instruments other than the percussive handpans or um, piano or drums. And, yeah. How would you describe what you do to other people? Yeah, music is a internet, like universal language, not even like international, you know, or global. It's a universal language. And I'm trying to resonate frequencies that are dear to my heart that 
kind of responds to my fundamental values, integrity, and truth in this life. And people who are attuned to that pick it up and it inspires them, it motivates them, and it brings some warmth. Um, these are common uh, feedback that I get. And as, as usual, some people are not in that frequency and it's uh, more relaxing music and more um, calming music. So those are the two sets of overall feedback that I get. And I assume it answers your question to an extent. Yeah, I mean, even when I was speaking to other people and talking about how excited I am to interview you, I would say, oh, I'm interviewing a handpan musician. And always the first question is, a what? <laughs> and how do you describe a handpan to someone who has never seen it before? Um, if I want to be quirky, I would go with uh, a UFO first. <laughs> <laughs> If I want to be more quirky, I would say a singing wok that you can cook on because all these comments I got in my camping trips where some dear Aussie friends came like, mate, can we borrow your wok for our barbecue? <laughs> like, thank you. Okay. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll say no to that. So, okay, a handpan instrument, we can describe it as a melodic percussive instrument to start with. And its ancestors is the steel drums from Caribbean, Trinidad, Tobago. And they have a very sweet, mellow sound, but you would play it with mallets and it's quite big, heavy. And handpan is um, basically that instrument formed into a shape where one can play with their hands and it's uh, lighter and it's more practical. And yeah, I think, you know, there are some experiences where it's hard to describe. One needs to like witness. And I think handpan is a special instrument like this because there's some unique quality to it. There's uh, something to describe, hard to describe just in a conversation. And what is, what is more interesting, I think, is a lot of the handpan players that I've uh, come across, they seem to generally share a common common value of they're quite light on life. They're not very, they seem to have some kindness to them, some softness to them. It's, it's a common quality and it's, it's interesting that uh, comes out as a choice of instrument that they play. And I wouldn't want to say this uh, like spiritual because everyone is spiritual and we all have uh, different beliefs and different qualities that we give to this world. But, you know, generally handpan players that I've met seem to have a bit of a different outlook on life than what we call a bit more normal and standard. I'm going to steal the UFO answer. Cool. So if somebody asks me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that one. When you mentioned how it's difficult to, to describe a handpan, I really couldn't uh, agree with you more because... I used to play the steel drums in primary school. I had a time wow. where I was, you know, briefly <laughs> on the base of the steel drums and I just felt the resonance and the melodies and the vibration of it so profound and visceral. I felt that with the handpan, that it's a very visceral experience. I think a lot of music is, but a lot of really 
old music sometimes, but you've taken a very new instrument on the foundations of very ancestral instruments and made something that takes us back to a, an older time. Mm. You know, it's, it's fascinating how that experience happens. And I remember when I listened to it, you know, I haven't, I've only heard it live once and it will not be my last, but I found it to be very viscerally uh, pleasurable. And, you know, I, I do want to tell you the, how I learned about you was in Glebe. So I used to work at Glebe at the Source Bulk Foods. Oh, I love Source Bulk Foods. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. And so when I worked there last year, a customer who would come in and always have these beautiful conversations with me, he told me about you and your handpan. I, I do feel like when people experience your music, the best is live. What do you think? Absolutely. Um, that's why I've also been, I have been a little bit hesitant with uh, performances online, which I think I should have got over it. And because it's still somehow connecting to people and contributions still available through that channels. But I think, especially in my music, I would like to offer more than just music and sound in my performances, which it really started picking up after 2019, um, once I released the album. And that experience is a sense of community that experiences as a sense of inclusivity, warmth, and music kind of, you know, accompanies all that because yeah, because of uh, I'm very lucky to be surrounded with a beautiful group of friends and, you know, some really nice people who have somehow got in touch with me because of my music. Maybe, you know, as I was telling you, there's a certain frequency underlying and that picks up that vibe. And so, yeah, live music, not only my music, for every music is it tr transcends many layers and you know then we can communicate in a more in more depth and in a live performance when you're in the presence of an artist then you are exposed to a lot of the raw emotions facial expressions body language um and you know some imperfections that happens throughout the uh performance too with sound with maybe so perhaps some mishaps with the compositions or with band members etc it's all like very much raw so um yeah i definitely agree that especially with hand pan instruments live performance is uh gold you know and yeah everything combined you know the the mishaps or maybe stumbles in the music or communicating and sound and all of that coming together in this one beautiful piece of live performance still is so powerful than a picture perfect recording um, mm. online. And, you know, you have performed a lot and, you know, when you talk about music, it's not just about the music. I can see it in your performances where you choose to perform. So you have performed at a children's hospital dressed up as a Ninja Turtle you have performed on a farm next to cows and on a, at a park next to ducks. You performed at yoga classes, retreats, the rabbit gallery, 
Benduli's estate for a wedding, radio stations and festivals, and recently the Canberra International Music Festival. And I wonder when performing live, what are some lessons that you've learned through failing? Mm. Yeah, wow. This is actually a very on-point question in where I'm in life too. I'm just learning more to be to be in acceptance with what is at this very point in time. And sometimes we have these ideas of what we like things to be, how perfectly we want to perform things. And these are all really irrelevant. Those are all just ideas and thoughts. And what is very real in the moment is what is happening, what is manifesting and what is reflecting for that very moment in time, where your mood is at, where other people are at, what the condition is requiring. So I believe that performing live, especially impromptu improvisation, it's all a, a sign of one's mastery in life, seriously. Being able to go with the flow, go with all these imperfections and some non-ideal conditions, it's all encompasses the capability to let go of expectations, perfections, capability to just accept what is and then move on that. And I have been learning, hopefully, and improving my skills on that. And most of the time, you know, sometimes I can be harsh on myself too with um, some of my expectations. I I could have done better here, better there. It's, it's all irrelevant because it's all um, in, especially one musician's head where which parts could be done better and worse, essentially, the raw communication with audience at that very instant moment is what matters the most. So look, we have a, <laughs> we have a bit of a visitor here. Oh, Willow. hello. Who is this? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's below my most loyal uh, audience. Baran's number one fan has just entered the room <laughs> and yeah. crossed the camera. Yeah, and he might come back. He's uh, trying to hunt a fly or something. So. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's funny. It's look, you know, we were talking about imperfections. There you go. Um, and, and, and it has happened if in few of the live performances or live recordings that I was doing at home. And, you know, I just, what do you do? You know, they just come and uh, bless the scene with their presence and then they leave. And like, <laughs> okay, I see, I, I was a, a lot more worried and a lot more concerned about these things, but you know, I think I'm a bit more relaxed. So I think your question is, yeah, very important. Like, how do we deal with challenges and unexpected situations in life especially when one is put on a spotlight performing that shows a lot of one's maturity I think um, about a musician's maturity on how to deal with them and how to leverage whatever is available and utilize that rather than what could have been done what does it take to get to that mastery level I'm a student like we all are always learning Mm -hmm. what is required well, experience is obviously important when uh, one is exposed to different environment of people, different venues, these things all accumulate over time and just shows you, okay, this is just another gig, another performance. It's not the end of the world. That's a part of it. experience come to mind when you think about something that you've learned from? Mm. Yeah, I mean, like generally th- there are issues with sounds and just it, it mm. just happens in right in the middle of maybe a part that you're really precious about and you just really want 
calm and tranquil environment and then all of a sudden you know the sound somehow goes berserk due to the desk or the engineer or maybe the microphones how they set up and you know you, you can really dwell on that and that means you ruin the remaining of the performance or you can just like okay sweet no worries let's go um i think mask is is very relate related to one's everyday life you know how acceptant we are of the conditions how humble we are that in certain cases we don't have much control and how can we really uh go along with them rather than resisting them or questioning them and that brings another opinion of mine for me the ideal musicians are not the ones that plays their instruments perfectly they're really inspiring and they're really admirable and i learn a lot from following um instrumentalists but for me a good musician is a person who also lives in in uh, an ethical and aspirable life with with all fronts the way they relate to the world to the people to the community to the work they do so it's a whole rounded game and music is just a representation of that i wonder you know your intention in 2019 was you know less talk more walk what is your intention for 2021 a lot's happened since 2019 i mean we're we're living I'm, in a different different yeah, world sure right now <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know you guys in canberra but we're in sydney we're living in a different world and yeah that just brought a lot of um a lot of things in our society you know a lot of issues a lot of problems a lot of trauma that it's it's in some way i may i may very well be wrong in this but in in society we like to present good examples which is understandable we like to present some inspiring uh people doing their aspiring work and this and that and that's amazing but you know our societies our lives is far from perfect and when always there is an image of how to be and you know example models it sometimes can set a bit of a stress on people and you know you might think why what, like you know these all seem very good from outside is it only my life that i'm struggling that i have challenges with many facets call it family relationships personal challenges like and and for me anyway like i sometimes find myself in questioning whether i'm prone to a lot more uh, i'm more vulnerable maybe i'm dealing with more stress and these are definitely not true you know when you look even into the people who are being placed on these different channels and they all have their problems they all have their challenges and we all have our imperfections so maybe what i'm calling out for 2021 is a bit more honesty and transparency and here's here's an example you know we're dealing with covid and we're dealing a lot of people are have had a lot of collateral damage from this isolation process and it's 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 challenging you know and some of our are lucky some of us are unlucky like having family members um relationship partners nearby friends nearby and some don't in terms of my music i would like to just put a bit more emphasis on hey it's it's okay you know we're all we're all in this together and one of us being in a challenging we just need to like support one another in some level rather than trying to like 
clothes that are sweep under the bed or something, you know, like I think there is a, as a society, we're not really comfortable talking these pain points in my humble view, you know, and um, there is no easy answers to some of the problems we have. And there are no easy solutions to some of the problems we have, but if we can't talk this openly and from a genuine place, then how are we ever gonna ad address them? They're always gonna be postponed and it's always gonna come up and you'll end up um, manifesting as different problems in individuals and society. When you record yourself or you're recording yourself via video at a park or something, I just want to know what kind of software do you use? What, what kind of equipment do you use? Sure. So just to be very honest, I'm not on top of the game, but I think I'm, <laughs> I haven't been anyway, but I'm spending more time on um, getting equipment that are more efficient and effective for situations like that. So basically, I've started more recently for a short video in a park or in a, a maybe by the water or something. I started using wireless microphones that is attachable to your phone. So what that means is it has a lot, like a high range, you know, um, so you can place your phone further away from yourself, but still your microphone would be attached to your body and close to the instrument so you can capture the general view as well as the sound. Um, that's kind of what I've been doing in the outdoor settings. In the indoor settings, I've started using my laptop's camera, which is pretty good, or um, maybe a webcam, an external webcam would do too. I think it's overwhelming when someone gets into, me included, gets into music making and recording and processing. It becomes very overwhelming. And I'm not sure if you know about Manny's shop in Sydney, but they have been like my music helpline. You know, I call them and I say, this is happening to my audio interface. What is the issue? Or my cat, you know, my microphone is doing this today. What is the problem? And I think it can be very overwhelming for people who are just starting out and getting familiar with equipment. But I think what your music shows is that it doesn't matter what kind of equipment you have, you know, it transcends and it's about the content and it's about what you put out. For example, you know, you were talking about how, you're trying not to overthink recording, doing online stuff. And your recent song that you just posted on Instagram, Children of the Universe. And, you know, you, uh, the video started from you actually pressing record. And I just thought that was so refreshing because mm. you just, you just posted it up from start to finish and it, you weren't too worried about it being picture perfect. I mean, it was beautiful, the setting, but you know, it's very, it very much shows that it's, it's more important what you put out there than mm. getting too lost or overwhelmed in the equipment too. Mm. Yeah, no, thank you for noticing that. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's, it's just, a, um, I, I basically wanted to um, maybe make a small video clip for that song. And I had some really talented uh, cinematographers, videographer friends who are amazing in what they do. And I was just intending to maybe get it down in August, you know, extended September, lockdown extended. Blah, blah, blah. And like, I felt like I, I just want to put this song out there with the hope of somehow a little bit contributing to people's days and, and calming down and, you know, 
And so I was like, you know what, just doesn't matter. These times just require that rawness and authenticity, I think. And as you said, just I was happy that recording on the instant and I just put it there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I arranged the microphones and I wanted to get as, as decent sound as possible out of it. But the video was as simple as it could be, as uh, you pointed out. One video that you had on on Instagram and it was you were you were playing different instruments and you were saying it is amazing how practicing other instruments work on different levels to strengthen each other and you said eventually it ties together and now I remember you were playing the piano because you hadn't played in a long time Hmm. and I wonder how do you learn so many instruments (laughs) okay that's an interesting question so I need to I need to be honest here I think I play most instruments on a very percussive way because that's the thing that I train myself at. I practice every day, uh, exploring different rhythms, independence within rhythms. And so here's an answer to your question in mean, a visually, like as a most simple, maybe when we play the drum as something like a djembe or an African drum or a, you know, you know, the simplest thing starts with the hands, how to coordinate them, how fast, in which order, which timing, that's one thing, you know, and that's mapped in the brain. And then you can you maybe use, if you're a drummer, your feet as well along with that, which is great. And then when you further delve into the percussive world, you can start using your fingers, you know, a bit more dexterity. And so then you can apply that to piano. So as soon as you have a strong rhythm, which I've, believe I've established that in my musical training and a good knowledge of rhythm then it comes to the melody part and that ties in with my previous classical music piano training thanks to my parents that um, forced me in an early age which I did not understand the value of it at the time but now I see how valuable it is but I also just took some online courses from various platforms music theory so once you once you have a strong uh, rhythm and uh, understanding of the, the timing, etc., and you have a bit of understanding of um, the music theory, such as myself, then uh, you can execute it in different instruments. It's just the way your hands coordinate or play differently. Like the the, the underlying principle is the same, and you do then just need to do the same. Uh, method or same um, kind of the fundamental layer on a different way. So if you play piano, you know, the way your fingers work. If you play hand pan, certain fingers and more wrist. If you play the drum, just this. Um, If you play kalimba, just your thumbs. And this is an interesting topic. Every instrument has strengths and weaknesses compared to the others. And that's where I think a wise musician knows how to express a certain idea on an instrument in the best way. Because if you really try to play handpan as a pianist, you'll have limitations just because of the distance between different notes, you know, right? In piano, they're all side by side. And so it takes maybe one millisecond to be able to jump from one another. But on a handpan, you're doing like this much distance. So... What does that mean? Then if you want to be that fast, you only have the 
nodes that are adjacent to one another. And what does that mean? Okay, you have a bit more limitation, but still you can make it as much exciting as possible. So for me, being able to play different instruments, just, um, yeah, the, the principle is to have a good rhythm, good timing, good uh, understanding of uh, percussion, and then have a bit of rhythmical skill, then train on the execution part, which, is, which takes time. But it's not as easy, it's not as hard as the first two um, steps. From your songs in Into Being, there are no lyrics in the song, but do you hear lyrics in your song? <laughs> um, yes, I actually sing to myself and to some friends who are around sometimes when I'm playing the handpan. I'm not a singer by any means, and I don't have a training in using my voice, but I think it's the strongest, most influential instrument that's ever there, you know, some a human voice. Just has different qualities, but it really transcends. I would like to incorporate more lyrics, more singing into a potential second album that I have been contemplating upon. And it may, be, may involve my own voice in certain parts, but I'm also very keen to collaborate with some beautiful singers um, that can take things into next level in terms of uh, both instrumentalism as well as some lyrics. At the moment, you, you're writing, you're writing music. And I wonder, how does a song come to you? So it's not a linear process. And also it changes from time to time, from song to song. For me, some songs, some melodies come very spontaneously, very effortlessly. And generally those are the ones that really touch people's hearts the most. And I also have a lot more enjoyment from out of them. But this doesn't happen all the time. And depending on where you're in life, how busy your intellect is, uh, how challenging your current situation or how you know, it's it. There are always opportunities and challenges in life, but um, yeah. So that's it's interesting. Those sorts of very natural flowing melodies come generally when I can process a challenging situation in life in the most high integrity and ethical way. And there is like learnings from that process, and that's generally an interpretation of that challenge, of that growth, and of that very humanness. And that's the my most preferred way of composing although it can be sometimes challenging and painful processes but you know that's uh it is what it is and in some other times i have some playful cheeky intellectual ideas that i would like to interpret on a handpan in those instances generally i record short sections that comes in different times during the week or the month and then i listen to them regularly try to piece them and so that's a bit more effortful process, yet still um, it produces in some, in my opinion, sensible and decent music. Um, and that takes more time, but that also teaches me a lot as well in many different ways. Uh, when I try to compose thing, uh, something to match different ideas. Um, I, I, I really would recommend if to fellow musicians out there or people who are trying to improve their skills, to record themselves as often as possible 
because um, because of two reasons. First is you get a bit more objective reflection of how your music is. When you're playing in the moment, generally we can't be very objective and we're also very much consumed by the intellectual process that's happening or we're occupied by that. When you go back and listen, then you see the greatness of your music and then you see, ah, oh, I see, maybe I'm speeding up here. Maybe the emotions are not coming as clearly as possible here. Maybe notes, the notes could be more clear or different. So these can come all when we re-listen to the music. And the second thing is, most of the time we forget um, something that we played perhaps last week that we really liked, unless it's recorded. And you know, sometimes it's hard to remember them, so it really helps um, us to then go back to those ideas and create a, a beautiful piece of music to use those small pieces that's recorded. I think it takes so much courage to record and listen back to yourself, whether it's a voice or an instrument, because you really have to think objectively, like you said, and judge yourself objectively and not take it personally. And I think to separate that to something that's so intimately yours is really challenging. And it makes me think about the idea of a song versus finishing a song. What is the difference to you in just starting with an idea and actually sculpting it and finishing it? Well, the idea is very raw, very unprocessed. And there's infinite amount of possibilities that idea can lead to different directions. And that's a very magical process. And I think there's an important element there that um, that I'm noticing more and more when I listen to the tracks and then reflect on where I'm at with life. The times where I'm really thinking heavily with my mind, brain, let's say, they tend to converge towards a direction from the idea. So they stick. And in some other times, they may you know, converge to different directions, a bit more perhaps easier intellectually and uh, yeah, more perhaps emotional in some sense. So the idea sprouts and then it can grow into any direction really depending on where one's at with life. And that's a really, really magical point. And sometimes I even try not to play around with that idea if I'm not feeling in the right headspace. Because basically, if I spend more time on that idea, let's say um, I'm not in the right headspace, and what is there is no right or wrong, but not say optimal, let's say. And because of the vested interest, next time I come to that song, I just think, oh, I've already done the second part, so I might try to continue with that. But in that moment, I may have missed this whole magic of that first idea. So it's, 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 a, it's a tricky uh, process. And, you know, sometimes not saying anything is a lot more powerful than trying to say something. So I think it's same with music. There are times where I'm learning to like, okay, this is a great idea. I just want to play around with it, but it's not the right time. Let's leave it for now and, you know, maybe sometime down the track, it will come to me in a different context and maybe that will be a lot more right uh, direction to progress with it. 
Back to your Phoenix Central Park performance, because I thought that was a very fascinating video and performance. And I really had questions about some of your songs. For example, let's start with the beginning. Before you even started playing, you waited, you were still for a solid three to four seconds. Why is that important? That's a part of my med daily meditation practice. And the reason for that is I remind myself, what is my intention with playing music? Why I'm there in the first place? What is my most hearty, authentic intention? That can be easily overlooked when you're in a setting where there are other people, you're in the spotlights, um, you can get stressed, you can get pressured. And generally before I play, I remind myself that this music is not even mine. I'm just a, a vehicle for that to come out. And so I can't take ownership of um, you know, the whole thing at all, let alone anything. And, and so what, what does that mean? I'm just here for that facilitation role. So then, you know, it just helps me to not take things personally and re release that, you know, more ego-driven stress that, you know, you, some, I don't know where does this come from, but, you know, we have that tendency to be seen as like, oh, look at this guy, look at this woman, whoa, you know, like our society kind of pushes there. Look at this most popular music that are listened billions of times, you know, they're all in mainstream media, infused with a lot of wealth and um, other values that I don't really uh, align with. And all those images sometimes play in our psyche that, you know, you may feel like, oh, I, I'm doing this thing for, you know, to push myself into being a famous or something. And like that sort of moments that I take before music, it's all like sweep them and then connect me to why am I doing this? and what's my core motivation. And I, that's very important, I think, um, for me anyway. That's beautiful. In Autumn Touch, that song that you played as well, you talked about the scale of hijaz. Mm. And I'm curious to know what that is. Mm -hmm. um, hijaz is a very traditional Middle Eastern, um, also Arabic scale. And it is actually in Western music called as harmonic minor. So basically you have the natural minor mode and one note is modified uh, from that. And that just creates this whole new level of tension. And yeah, Tijaz is like very much tension and release and it releases to the same root. So it's, I think a lot, yeah, perhaps in some ways more limited, but there are lots of different ways to resolve to that home root chord in Hijaz music. And you may um, know like things like belly dancing and some other traditional Middle Eastern folklore or ethnic plays. That's kind of a very popular music mode for that. And when I say music mode, just for um, making things accessible to our listeners if they're not familiar like minor is a mode major is a mode more uplifting which is 90% uh, of the songs we hear in the radio and hijaz harmonic minor is another mode i hope that helps 
It does. It does very much so. It's very curious to understand these scales and what they mean and how they communicate. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny. My, um, uh, because of my background, I kind of have a tendency to know that scale well. And yeah, when I was playing this a lot and some of my friends would ask me, what is the scale? And they would call it high jazz. And that's, that's pretty funny. Ah. And, uh, yeah, it's it's like uh, similar similar written in English. Um, yeah, it's a it's a funny funny uh, analogy there. It's like you know a form of jazz, which is just high. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. Song, yeah. You have a song in one of your videos that says "high jazz." Yeah, it's uh it's just a attribution to that fun ah, uh, very, analogy. Very cool. Yeah, and and hijaz music like that scale can also be played very fast in certain circumstances, and there are some similarities with uh gypsy music too, that uh, have the pygrian mode, and you know they have they there are some similarities in the modes, and it's very spicy, it's in terms of the release and tension and can be very very nice very reflective of the emotions and the fire and yeah what are you most excited about personal contribution level i i am excited about um yeah my music helping people in life in in bigger scale and more meaningful deep levels and when they're going through a challenging time them listening to it and finding some relief, some motivation, inspiration, some light. If they're in a dark process, for example, that that that's a really exciting and uh, it's very. I would really like to achieve that more and more you know, on a scale level. That excites me on a personal achievement. Um, just because your question is very raw. And I think there's an intention to that. I'm I'm just very excited to see a um, a world where everyone's living in peace and harmony. And yeah, we're not dealing with uh, many of these global crises such as um, famine, wars. Obviously, the, the the pandemic is inevitable. But you know, there there are so many different ways to live in more peace and harmony. And I've, I believe that if we can't achieve that goal in a, on a global scale, then that's not a true peace in any country. Although we're quite privileged living in Australia, um, if there is something happening like what's going on in Afghanistan at the moment or you know in Middle East region in general, and if it's still there on the same planet, then it just doesn't feel right, you know. Um, and somehow on a collective level, I believe we're all being affected from that global events. And um, one more thing to add to that, I think what is more imminent and challenging and pressing issue is the global climate crisis. And I'm yeah, really excited to see us getting our act together and re having the right decisions moving forward for um, a future generations to save our species, basically, because the planet is fine. Uh, she is going. To, she has done this cycle of birth and rebirth many times, so she'll be okay. And uh, but you know, 
us as humans have capability to create beautiful things, to love, to care, to collaborate, to, you know, have a beautiful society. And so if you want to save our species, I'm excited to see the actions more strong and more tangible. Baran Yildiz, thank you so much for coming on the Unpacking Creative Lives podcast. I appreciate it so much. My pleasure, Banipreet. Thank you for your, all your questions and all your um, inquisitive um, conversations. I really enjoyed uh, having this chat with you. Thank you. Well, what did you think? I hope you enjoyed the episode. Leave a comment. Let me know your thoughts. I would love to hear what your favorite parts were from the episode. Really, truly, I could talk about this forever. Let me know on my YouTube channel or on Instagram at I am Barney Preet. Okay. Bye for now.